Before we get into scripture today, I want to just give you a little bit of word, a word from my heart. And uh, I want to say thank you to Gabriel in, in the first hour. The rest of our buddies were here too. I got to say thank you to all of them. But you know what a gift it is to be able to look back over 15 or 20 or 25 years and say there are people that have led us to worship Christ together. And to have all these guys and they're different from one another. You know, they're just so different from one another. And yet they have all brought us to the place where we're able to worship God together. And that's a gift. And we sing these songs. And I don't know what it's like, uh, because I grew up in church, I really don't know what it's like to come into a church for the first time as an adult maybe and, and kind of check out what's going on and those kinds of things. And, and I always wonder if people that are not yet followers of Christ, they come into a church and they go, what's with the singing? Enough with the singing already. No, I don't get the singing. Well, I'm not sure that in my whole life I've gotten the singing except that the farther I go along in this thing, I realize that those songs that we sing are creeds. They're statements of faith that we get to sing. And so, you know, to be able to sing, God, you are good. You are good. So good. And when you sing that, the reason we sing that is because when, when you sing and it comes out of your mouth and it comes with that melody and the harmony and the instrumentation and things, it's like it plants that belief in your soul. And the song shapes your faith. And so to have my friends here and our friends who have been here over the years leading worship with us and leading us in that process of connecting to God from a heart place, it's really a gift. So thank you, Gabriel, and you guys who are up. Yeah. Oh, good. So, Brian, you're hanging out back there. Thank you for being here, buddy. Nice to see And I like the haircut, Brian. <laughs> it's good. So, good stuff. So, you know, so I'm really grateful for these guys who have been here with us over these years. And I just want to say I'm grateful to you also. Um, you know, I know that there's not very many of us who have been here for the whole 25 years. Two. <laughs> like Donna and me, right? So, and a few others have come along, you know, in the early days, and then, and then the rest of us have just come along, and it's just a great thing to have you all here. And here's the deal. I'm grateful to you, because without you being here and serving Christ together as his church, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be doing what God called us to do. We wouldn't be where we, he wanted us to be, and this town wouldn't have been changed like it's been changed, I believe. And so God bless you and thank you for what you have done and are doing for the cause of Christ here. How many of you volunteer in some way at Lakeside? Maybe it's, you know, once a year for four days at Blitz or maybe it's, you know, and kids, go ahead, you volunteer at Lakeside somehow. Look at that. That's awesome. God bless you. Thank you for that. See, that matters a lot that you volunteer. You step up and go, hey, I'm going to serve in this thing and it just makes a big difference. So thank you for that. Uh, how, let me ask another question. How many of you have been baptized since you've been here at Lakeside Church? Yeah, look at that. That's new life, right? That's really, really cool. And that's, that's just a statement of saying, hey, I'm, I'm beginning. That's what baptism is, right? It's, it's my statement of faith that says to everybody else, I'm beginning in this walk with Christ. And so you begin, and then you belong among us, and you become what God wants you to be. And that's the journey that we're on together. It's a good, it's a good journey. So thanks for being part of it. God bless you guys. You bless me every single day. So thank you. 
uh, we're going to look into scripture together. And we've been asking for the last four weekends some questions. And I've just learned over my course of my life that questions help me focus. They help me kind of get a, a course and go, here's the deal in my life. And so we're asking five questions. We've asked four of them already. And today we're going to wrap this up. And the questions really are designed to help us look back because these questions have come from our journey together. We've asked some of these questions very specifically over the years. And we've asked some of the questions a little bit more generally. And we've made them specific during this series. But they're all help, designed to be helpful to look back and say, where has God brought us? And then to say, where are we going? next. All these questions are designed not to be past-oriented, but to be future-oriented and to say, God, what do you want to do through us next? And I don't believe God's done because we've got 25 years in. God's a lot older than that and bigger than that. There's going to be another run that goes on. And what does God want to do in us next? And so we're asking these questions. Now, the questions are designed, as I've been telling you, to orient your life around the gospel. We've got this good news from Jesus Christ. And these questions are designed to help us kind of fit our lives together with him and say, let's orient our lives around the good news of Christ. What I haven't told you yet is the questions all represent a calling from God into our lives. And so... Uh, I'm going to walk through the questions again. I want to just remind you, here's the calling that comes with each of these questions. And then we'll look at question number five. All right. Question number one. You tell me. Question number one was? Yeah, what's your story? Every Christ follower has one. In fact, if you're not even a follower of Christ yet, but you're checking him out, you're coming to church and like, what is this about? You haven't even crossed the line of faith yet. You still have a story. You already have a story. Now, the calling that comes with that question is God is calling you to tell your story to somebody. He didn't give you a story to hide it somewhere, like, like lighting a lamp and putting it under a basket, Jesus said. He gave you this story to light a lamp and put it on a lampstand where it gives light to everyone in the house. God calls you to tell your story, and he calls you to ask somebody else what their, their story is, too, because it's a huge tool for your neighbors. I've just found those three words, what's your story, is the simplest way to share the gospel. Because everybody wants to tell their own story. And if they find someone who will listen to it, they'll say, that's a miracle. And you'll be their miracle because you listen to their story. And almost always when you ask someone, what's their story? What's your story? They'll turn around and they'll return the favor and they'll go, well, well, what's your story? And you'll be ready to say, well, my story includes a relationship by faith with Jesus Christ. What's your story? What's the second question? Yeah, who's your wingman? How you going? How you doing with that? Good. Okay, okay, that's better than last week. I got two instead of one. It's good. So, all right. So, who's your wingman? That idea of that is you don't live the Christian life alone. You don't live it in isolation. You live it with others. And so, we do small groups and we do ministry teams and those kinds of things. But you don't live the Christian life all by yourself. You have a partner. You have partners that go with you and they stand with you and they walk with you and they help you and they lift you up when you need that. And we need it. And some of us, we don't want to humble ourselves enough to acknowledge that we need a Savior, that we re- need a Redeemer, and that we need a wingman to come alongside of us. I remember years ago when we were in the old building across town, and John Voles, the one with the top hat, I like the hat. It's, like, it's a good look for him. Anyway, so John was leading our worship across town, and I remember the lobby had like a wall, but it didn't go all the way up, so there was noise that could come from the lobby into the auditorium, and there was a commotion out in the lobby one day during church. And this guy had come in, apparently he had a little bit too much the night before and, and, and maybe the, earlier that morning, and uh, was making a little ruckus out in the lobby. and he kind of shouted over the partition. He said, I don't need Jesus because Jesus is a crutch. And to which John Bowles replied, no, he's not, he's a stretcher. 
right? And some of us are at the spot in our lives where we go, I need that. And Jesus is that for us, and we need a wingman who walks alongside of us. Who's your wingman? Question number three. Where's your faith? Here's a, here's a question of evaluation. Am I back here? Am I before I cross the line of faith with Christ? Am I just in that space where I'm going, hey, today's my day, Jesus. I need a Savior, and it's you. Maybe I'm right there. Or maybe I'm just beginning with Christ, and I've already trusted him, but now I'm like my next step is baptism, in which we had like 30 or 40 people last weekend say, I'm getting baptized today to follow Christ. Right? That's a, that's a gift. That's awesome. So where are you in your faith journey? Now, the calling of that is this. God is calling us to step out in faith. Faith was not meant to be stagnant. It was not meant to be stuck there. It was meant to move. And it will never move if you don't step out with it. It'll never move for us if we don't step out with it. So where is your faith and where are you stepping out in faith? That's the calling. Where's your faith? What's the next? What's question four? How's your neighborhood? I know we didn't... You haven't nailed that one down quite so fast yet. But how's your neighborhood is question number four. We just talked about that last week. And then the idea is this. We all live in a neighborhood. We all live near somebody else. And Jesus said, love your neighbor. So the calling is, I got to figure out who my neighbors are and how do I love them and, and what do I do to love them? I believe our neighbors have a need from us. My neighbors need me to be a neighbor. It is not about who's my neighbor. Jesus answered that by saying, it's not about who's your neighbor, it's to whom can I be a neighbor. And my neighborhood needs me to be a neighbor. And that's my calling. Now, I want to tell you a little story of faith from a different neighborhood, and then we're going to find out what question five is, and then we'll wrap this whole thing up. All right, if you have your Bibles, open up to uh, Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to tell a story to you that is familiar to most of you probably, uh, at least vaguely so, and we'll make it a little bit more specific and then see how it relates to us together. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Here's how it begins. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Moses is a desert shepherd. He's been out in the Sinai wilderness for 40 years tending a flock of sheep, walking them through the dry places, trying to find grass, trying to find bushes to eat, those kinds of things. And one day, Moses sees a bush off in the distance, and it's on fire, which is a little bit rare. Maybe that happened every now and then, you know, dry lightning strikes or something out in the desert, but a little bit rare to see a bush all by itself on fire. And so he goes, I'm going to go check it out. And he gets closer, and he finds out that the bush is on fire, but it's not burning up, which is a little bit of a hard trick. I, I know from experience. 
See, years ago, we were looking for another pastoral staff member to come join our team. And when we do searches for people, we, we look around the country, around the world. We're trying to find who are the best fits for us. And we sometimes contact people that are not looking for a new job. They're happy in the church where they are. And we're like, can we steal that person over here? Sorry, I just, you know, I never asked them from town, but just farther away, right? So anyway, so we had some people that we were talking to from other churches, and they didn't apply to us. We applied to them. We got this one guy up, and I really liked him. I thought, this guy would be a perfect fit for us at Lakeside, and so I really want this guy to come. So I go out to dinner with him on a night that he was here, and, and he's, you know, we're talking and stuff, and he says, you know, I really like what God's doing at Lakeside. You guys are doing some amazing things there. It'd really be great to be here, but I'm, I'm happy in my church, and God's got me in my church, and I'm, I'm you, know, you know, just kind of planning on staying there. It, it would take a burning bush experience for me to come. I had breakfast with him the next morning, and, and uh, we're continuing the conversation. He goes, you know, you guys are really doing a great job. I, it, it would be fun to be here, but I really feel like God's called me where I am, and it, it would take a burning bush experience to get me to come. I called John Norris, our director of facilities. I said, John, go to um, Home Depot and buy a bush. I said, get a gallon of gasoline and get it ready to pour on the bush. And then we went to lunch. And at lunch, he said the same. This guy said the same thing. I'd like to come, but it would take a burning bush experience for me to come. I said, John, when I reach the driveway, I will text you. Go out and pour gasoline on that bush and light it on fire. And put it right in front of the office door. So when we walk in, he's going to go, look at that, a burning bush. I texted John. He poured the gasoline, lit the match. And the bush never lit. And the guy never came. And I know some of you are like, you should not try and be God. I'm well aware. So Moses has a burning bush experience. Verse 7. The Lord said... I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the, the, home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, some otherites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, I like what God's doing here. God says, look, Moses, I've, I've been looking at your people. I've been looking at my people, Israel, and it's a mess down there. I've been in the neighborhood. It's a mess down there. They're having all kinds of trouble, and I don't like it, and I don't like what's been happening to them, and they need some help, and I'm coming to kind of to help them and to bring them out of there, and you know that's how it's going to roll. And Moses probably at this point is going, good God, that's awesome. You, you get down there. And then God says, oh, and I'm sending you to do it. And most like, mm-hmm. I thought you were coming. And so then you go through this process of Moses trying to figure out what God wants. See, God's given him a very clear mission. God has given us here at Lakeside a very clear mission. And whenever God gives you a clear mission, you have a response to make. You have a decision to make. Will I obey the mission or will I make excuses? Verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you 
And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So Moses gives his first excuse. He goes, God, I'm not big enough. Who am I? I can't do this. I'm not the, the one. I'm not big enough for that. And I'm like, wait, wait, Moses, you're talking to a burning bush here. I mean, that ought to say something to you. He's like, no, 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 I, I, I'm not the one. Who am I? God says, no, I will go with you. And then God gives him an amazing sign. This is sort of a little bit of an aside, but God gives him this great sign. He says, here's the sign that you should go do this. When you get the people out, go, you'll worship me on this mountain. What? If I'm Moses, I'm like, well, why don't you give me a sign that starts now? Why do you give me a sign that works after I'm done? What kind of, what kind of sign is that, God? I don't know. That's the one that he's giving. God says, I will be with you. The question, Moses, is not who am I? You know, who are you, Moses? The question is, will I be with you or not? And I will. Verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God has sent me to you. So now Moses gives his second excuse. He says, well, God, I, I don't know enough. I don't even know your name. I mean, when I get down there to Egypt and I'm going to go to my people Israel and your people, I'm going to say to them, hey, your God sent me over here to, let, to say you need to come out with me. And they're going to say, which God? Because, see, they worshiped a lot of gods in those days. Which God? What's his name? And I love that God answers him back using the phrase, uh, kind of a change of the phrase that Moses gave to God. Moses said, who am I? You want to send me? Well, who am I? And then he comes back to God and he goes, and, and, who, and who are you anyway? What's your name? And God says, I am who? I am. Who am I? No, it's not the question. God's name is I am who I am. He's different from us. He's utterly different from us. We share some attributes together, but he is different from us. And he says to Moses, I am who I am, and I will be with you. Chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, Well, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to you. Moses, next excuse was, God, I don't have the credentials for this. I mean, I don't have a business card that says people releaser. You know, I, I, I'm not ready. I, I'm not, I don't have the credentials. I'm not good enough for this. I'm not ready. And then God gives Moses question number five. Here's question number five for us. What's in your hand? Moses, you have something in your hand. What, what's that thing in your hand? And then Moses says, well, 
It's just a stick. It's my staff. Shepherds carried staffs. They had to use it to guide the sheep and steer the sheep and, and sometimes rescue them from in danger, uh, being endangered and those kinds of things. So he's got a staff. He goes, it's just my shepherd's staff. But it's not just a st- shepherd's staff. There's a tradition that says that the shepherds of Israel and maybe other ancient uh, nomadic cultures as well, that the shepherds of Israel would have a staff that they would use to lead their sheep, but when they were around the campfire at night, they would sometimes carve the images of their life into their staff. Now think about Moses' life. He was saved from the Nile River by the faith of his mother. He grew up learning about faith through his mother who taught him faithful dependence on God. And then he was transferred into the home of Pharaoh. He grew up in Pharaoh's home. He got the best education available. He had the best food, the best clothes, the best experience. He had everything in the best. And all of that went on his staff. And then he'd been out in the wilderness for 40 years. And who knows what he'd seen in the wilderness over those 40 years. But that was all maybe etched into his staff. And God says, what's in your hand? He says, it's just a staff. No, it's not, Moses. It's your life. God says, throw it down. And God says to us, you have your life. Throw it down. Now when Moses threw the staff on the ground, it instantly became a snake. And Moses wisely jumped away. Like, I'm not hanging around that snake stick anymore. He jumps away, and then God says to him, now, you've thrown your staff down. You've thrown your life down. Now pick it up. Oh, and pick it up by the tail. Now, I'm not much of a snake guy, but I'm not picking up a snake by the tail. That just seems like the wrong place to pick it up. In fact, my desire would be that you go pick it up. Maybe better for me anyway. So he says, pick it up by the tail. So Moses reaches out, and I don't know how much tension there was. I'm thinking there was tension. You know, you miss that a little bit in the reading. He goes, pick it up. He picks it up. Yeah, I think he says, pick it up. And he goes, he picks it up, and it becomes a staff again in his hand. What's God saying? You have a life. Throw it down and make it holy. You give it up, and I'll make it great. You give it up and I will make it useful to you. Now pick it back up and do what I ask you to do. Question number five is, what's in your hand? God has given you gifts in your life. And they are all different from one another. I get that. We don't share the same gift. But God has given you gifts in your life. It's what you hold in your hand. And God says, lay it down, make it holy, and pick it up again. Now, you would think that when Moses threw down his staff and it became a snake, and then he picked it up and became a stick again, you'd think Moses would say, okay, God, I'm going. Where's the train? Let's get to Cairo. Go, let's get down there. Let's meet with these people. Let's meet with the Pharaoh. Let's get them out of there. Come on, let's go. I believe you can do it. You would think that by this time, Moses would say, good, you're with me. Your name is I am who I am. That's good enough. And you got, I got my stick. Let's go. But that's not how it goes. It doesn't quite go that well for us sometimes either, does it? So verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, but 
I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Moses is like, but God, I'm not good at this talking thing. And some of us like that, right? How many of you like to speak in public? Three of us, six, thank you, okay. All right, good. Not very many. We're all like Moses, like, I'm not good, I'm not good at the talking thing. And God says, and I think, he's, I think God's a little bit perturbed. I mean, right? Moses, who made your mouth? Bubba? Who made your eyes? Who made your ears? Who gave you all this stuff? He's talking about gifts. He's talking about the staff again. Who gave you these gifts? I did. If I ask you to go speak to somebody, I gave you the mouth. I gave you the voice. If I ask you to go speak to somebody, go speak to them. I gave you hands. If I ask you to go care for someone, then go care for them. I gave you ears. If I ask you to go listen to someone, then go listen to them. And Moses said, verse 13, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Does Moses' Moses' story sound like any story you've lived before? I mean, don't we kind of do a Moses routine sometimes when God comes to us and says, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Don't we kind of sometimes go to God, well, yeah, 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 but I don't have the right gifts. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough training. I don't have enough background. I don't have enough guts. I don't have it. And we give all these excuses to God, and and you know the excuses. Well, I don't know if it's God's will. Well, when do you think you might find out? Well, I'm going to study it for about the next 18 years, and then maybe I'll know. I don't have enough training. If I had more training, then I'd, you know, Moses, he grew up in Pharaoh's court. He had a lot of training. If I had that, you know, maybe I'd do it. I don't know the story well enough. I don't know the gospel well enough, which is fascinating because it's just your story with Jesus in it. I don't have the tools. You know, if I could sing like these guys in the band, then I'd do it. If I could, if Brad, if I could just talk like you do, then I'd do it. You know, if I could work with children like our children's workers, then I'd do it. Well, what do you think you have in your hand? Do you think God's put nothing there? Who gives a human being their mouth who gives them their eyes who gives them their ears who gives them all that stuff who gives them a hand to have something in god does and we make excuses and we go "Mm, maybe not me in fact that's the last excuse that moses gives lord please send someone else and perhaps that's the most honest of all his excuses and perhaps that's the one that lands most close to our heart God, just please send someone else. The story of Moses and the burning bush is a story that says when God calls us, his gifts are sufficient for us. When God calls you, his gifts are sufficient for you. 
When God calls us, his presence is sufficient for us. And so we have a clear mission and we have a decision. Will I obey or will I make excuses? What's in your hand? I like it that when God shows his sufficiency to Moses, he answers our five questions. You know, we've been doing these questions, and when you come back to it with God, he answers these five questions because he walks them through with Moses. He's like, hey, Moses, how's the neighborhood? I've been there. It's not pretty. He says, Moses, what's your story? Oh, it's written on his staff. He says, throw it down. I'll make it holy when you throw it down, and I'll let you pick it up again and use it for me, your story. He says, Moses, where's your faith? I mean, you got all these objections, but you've been standing here for the last 30 minutes talking to a burning bush. Where's your faith? And Moses, do you need a wingman? We stopped before we got to this, but God says, oh, your brother Aaron, he's on his way across the desert. He's about to get here. He'll be your wingman. And God says, What's in your hand? I gave you that to use. And then, of course, it all comes back to us at the end, right? You knew it was going to come back to us. And that's why we have these talks, right? Because it's going to come back to us. Now, look, in the end of that story, God answers all of our five questions, not just for Moses, but for us. Because we've got all these questions and all these excuses and all these reasons why we can't step out and do what God calls us to do. God goes, well, let me just walk you through this. How's your neighborhood? I'm asking you this question leading into Halloween. How's your neighborhood? And leading into Christmas, which is coming after that, these, these times when your neighbors are going to welcome you in. How's your neighborhood? You go, yeah, but... Sometimes it's intimidating to to talk about Jesus with my neighbors. I don't know what I'd say. And God says, well, where's your faith? Where are you? When are you going to step out and take a step of faith to to go beyond where you've gone before? Say, yeah, but I don't know where I begin. Well, really, what's your story? It's your story. Why don't you start there? In fact, you don't even have to tell your story first. Ask them their story first. That's a good place to begin. You go, yeah, but I don't want to do it by myself. I don't think I can do it by myself. It's like, yeah, who's your wingman? Yeah, but I'm not sure I'm ready. Really? What's that in your hand? What gift has God already given you? You don't need to go search and find it. God's already given you a gift. Maybe he's just saying, get started. Let's see what you have. And what would happen if a whole church full of people got together and we said, hey, we're going to live out those five questions. We've been living those questions for the last 25 years. What if we were to live them for the next 25? What if God were to get a whole bunch of people like us that just decided together, those five questions are going to orient my life right around the gospel of Jesus. And if we did that, maybe God would change this community one neighborhood at a time. Your neighborhood and your neighborhood and your neighborhood and your neighborhood and mine.
Jesus, I pray for us today. The only way this works, Lord, is if you promise to be with us. But you did. You already did promise to be with us. You promised never to leave us or let us go. Lord, thank you for that. Would, would you move among us, Lord, and would you shake us up and, and shape us up to be the kind of people you want us to be so that we would look at these questions and we would give them appropriate answers, faith-filled answers. And we would live this out tomorrow in our neighborhood, in our workplace, wherever it is we go. Lord, thank you for these things. Let's see great things that you do among us. Lord, we trust you. Amen.